And thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be here with you today to uh, share with you God's Word and what I believe God would want for us to hear. And as mentioned, my name is Gilbert Chavez, and I am married to Liz. We've been married uh, for going on, uh, we've been married for 27 years. Is that correct, Liz? <laughs> and I have been blessed. Uh, I was able to meet your pastor a few years back at one of our associational meetings uh, where I was pastor here in town. Seventeen years ago, I moved here from West Texas where I was pastoring and was able to begin a, a new ministry, and uh, the ministry is called Oak Meadow Baptist Church. And we were able to begin it in a, just a home group Bible study with just three families, and God has blessed it and, and has uh, seen that ministry impact many lives. And so I was able to meet your pastor uh, uh, during one of those uh, times uh, when uh, I was there at the associational meeting. And likewise, just a few weeks ago, he was at the pastor's conference that uh, we uh, helped host at uh, Lake LBJ and spent some time with him there a few days in prayer and uh, encouragement and with one another. So thank you to your pastor, Brother Samuel, uh, for his invitation and for you allowing me to be here with you today. I want to ask you to take your Bible, would you open your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And what I want to do is I want to invite you to leave your Bible open while we go through God's Word so that we might see what He would have for us uh, to hear from Him today. And then later on, what I want to do is I want to invite you uh, to respond to what God has for us today. Can we do that? All right. Well, praise the Lord. Would you please stand as we read out of God's Word, John chapter 4 beginning with verse 1, and I'll be reading out of the New American Standard. The Bible says this, beginning with verse 1, When therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman therefore said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For we know that Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus responded and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you have, would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us this well and drank of it himself, his sons and his cattle. And Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Father, we thank you for this morning and for this time and for this opportunity. We pray, dear Father, that you would just speak to us and guide us during this time. 
Lord God, uh, from what you share with us and from what we hear from you, Lord God, we ask that we might find ourselves to be obedient to your word, to be obedient to your will, and find ourselves responding in faith. We thank you for this time and for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you have a seat, please? Many of you are very familiar with the story of Jesus Christ finding himself at the well here in Samaria and speaking with the Samaritan woman and having this conversation with her. We are all very familiar with it, but what I believe you and I get to see in this particular passage is this, is that when Jesus Christ shares with us the events that have happened here at this place, what you and I get to see is a very clear picture of the very far-reaching ministry of Jesus Christ. And what you and I get to see is that Jesus Christ not only spent time in Jerusalem, but he allowed himself to walk in the areas around him so that he might reach people for the Father. And you and I know from the previous chapters in John chapter 2 that Jesus had just spent some time in Jerusalem at the Passover feast in chapter 2 and verse 23. Now he is making his way up to Galilee. And it is while he is on his way to Galilee that Jesus Christ will need to make a very important decision. Will he bypass Samaria like most Jews would during their travels between the northern and southern parts uh, of Israel? Or would he dare go through this forbidden city? The Bible tells us very clearly in John chapter 4 and verse 4, it says this, that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And what that tells us is this, is that Jesus Christ and his ministry was set out to be very clear. That his ministry was to go and to reach those that were lost. To reach those that were, he was confronted with or those that he would come in contact with no matter where they were or no matter who they were. In fact, if you and I were to look ahead in chapter 4 and verse 34, and likewise in chapter 10 and verse 16, you and I would understand why Jesus Christ was needing to go through Samaria, this forbidden city. The Bible says in John 4, 34, as you look there in your Bible, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Likewise, in 10 and verse 16, it says this, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must go and bring them in. And likewise, we remember if we were to go back into John chapter 3 and verse 17, where Jesus Christ says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that he would save the world through him. So this time in the life of Jesus Christ, in this pause that he has here in Samaria, is very revealing for you and for me. Because in it, you and I will find that the ministry of Jesus Christ is not only uniquely Jewish, but is international. And I believe that you and I, as people of God, as the New Testament church, we need to understand that we need to find our ministry being a ministry that reaches out to the people of all the worlds, of all walks of life. Amen? And that you and I need to find ourselves being imitators of Jesus Christ. And so how does John chapter 4 share with us this far-reaching ministry of Jesus Christ, which then allows you and I to likewise mirror it and find ourselves reaching out to the community and those that are around us of all backgrounds? Well, first of all, look at verse 3 and 4 again. 
The Bible says this, speaking of Jesus Christ, So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So how was the ministry of Jesus Christ far-reaching? Well, first of all, we see that it was far-reaching because it was intentional in his ministry. He was intentional in his ministry. There in verse number 4, it says that he must go through. This is a reminder of the fact that Jesus Christ in his ministry and his life that he lived, that he was directed by the Father, and wherever he went, he did it in obedience, as we'll look at later on. He'll do it in obedience to the Father. And that as we read in verse number 3 or earlier, Jesus Christ did not leave to go to Galilee because he was being run out of the city from the Pharisees, but instead he was leaving and going to Galilee because that was the Father's will. And when the Bible says that he must go through, Jesus Christ finds himself living a life and doing a ministry that is intentional. Jesus Christ is finding himself coming to the city of Samaria, and this is a big deal. It is a big deal because Jews and Samarians did not have a relationship that was normal. Yes, they were uh, related, they were cousins, and they had a, uh, uh, a relationship with one another because of, of history and because of their forefather, but it was an estranged relationship with one another. For Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile. There was a mixed marriage between the Gentiles and the Jews, and as a result, they find themselves at odds with one another. And every Jew, every true-blooded Jew would never find himself stopping in Samaria, having a conversation with some woman, and having a regular dealings with them there in their place. They found it to be detestable, and they would make themselves go around. But Jesus Christ himself, with his disciples, on the way to Galilee, finds himself needing to stop because of his weariness of travels, because he is tired, has to make a very important decision. Will I dare go around Samaria and put more mileage onto my feet, or will I dare go into it and find myself getting some rest? And what Jesus Christ shows us is this, is that the ministry that he did was an intentional ministry. A ministry that made itself reaching out to those that are around him, even of different nationalities or different races. And what you and I, as people of God, what you and I need to understand is, to, is this. Is that you and I need to be very careful to become nationalistic in the sense that we only want to reach those that are, we're familiar with. We only want to reach those that we know. No, you and I live amongst and live around and live in communities that are filled with people of all walks and of all colors, especially here in Austin. We live in a community of people that are from different backgrounds and different than us. And what you and I need to understand is this, is that, that no one should be out of reach for us to approach them with the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. I really enjoy the fact that in your bulletins on Saturday, you have an opportunity to go to Zilker Park where you are going to be encountering people of all sorts of backgrounds, of all walks of life. And some of them may look a little bit different than you. Some of them may act a little bit differently than you. Some of them may not have as much clothes on as you will on that particular day. But you'll find yourself, and I am so glad that you're a pastor and that you are leading out and going there and that you are going to pass out to them a Frisbee. 
not for them just to enjoy a time of recreation and a fun with one another, but that you might be able to have an intentional encounter with them so that you might share Jesus Christ with them. The Bible is very clear. We live in a community that is mixed. My neighbors are both Hispanic, African-American, Anglo, Asians. Um, our ministry at Oak Meadow Baptist Church when I was pastoring there for, for 16 and a half years was a, a ministry of mixed uh, uh, marriages, of mixed uh, uh, relationships, of mixed backgrounds. And what you and I need to understand is this, is that if you and I are going to be obedient to the Word of God and to the will of God, then we must find ourselves reaching out to all people, no matter who they are or where they come from. Amen? We must make it our intention to do so. It should not be something that we get worked up to. It should be something that we automatically do, just like you put your pants on one leg at a time, right? Just like you brush your teeth each and every day. You do it for a purpose and for a reason. It's intentional so that you might be dressed during the day and so that you might have fresh breath, right? There's a reason behind it. And what you and I need to understand is this, is that we need, we need to be uh, uh, individuals that intentionally go out and reach those that are around us of different backgrounds. But likewise, we need to be very careful as people of God because sometimes we like to congregate within ourselves or by ourselves because we are comfortable with one another because we're all a part of the family of God, right? But we also need to understand that it needs to be our intention to meet and to meet up with those that are non-believers as well. Yes, sometimes it can be uncomfortable with them because the language that they use may not be the language that you would prefer or that would be God-honoring. Maybe they, they tend to get drunk all the time and just get uh, all, all crazy in life. Maybe they're, uh, they shoot up or they use drugs on a normal basis. Or, or maybe they have multiple uh, relationships, not just one wife, but many people in the, their communion that they have. You can find that here in Austin. And what you and I need to understand is that those individuals can be considered in general as a people group. As Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, the Bible says, Go and make disciples of all nations. Ta ethne, ta ethne is a people group. There's no people group that is to be absent from you and I going to them and telling them about Jesus Christ. Thus, the people that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is a people group, and we must make our our intention Saturday at Zilker Park to go out and to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we need to do. And so the ministry of Jesus Christ is shown to us here in this story of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman that it was a ministry that was far-reaching because it was a ministry that was intentional. But not only was it a ministry that was intentional, but secondly, look at verse 7. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, the Bible says that Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now his disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. This very dialogue and this very talk between the Jesus and the Samaritan woman was in itself a departure of Jewish customs. Customs. Jews looked upon the Samaritans with contempt because they were of mixed race and of mixed religions. And as a result, they would not have anything to do with them. But what Jesus Christ does in meeting this woman and speaking with her is that he turns things upside down and begins to engage in communication with her. 
Because not only is his ministry intentional, but secondly, his ministry is engaging. And what Jesus Christ is going to do is this, is that he's going to allow himself, because of the love of the Father, the will of the Father, to begin to communicate with a woman of a, of a different race, and of a different religious background, so that he might be able to win her back to the Father. And this was all out of, uh, this, this was all not the norm. And you know what? You and I each and every day find ourselves living among people that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And what you and I need to do is we need to make it our intention to engage in communication with them. So I want to give you an opportunity. Today when you go out to lunch, many of you might go out to a restaurant to eat. I want to encourage you to engage with your server something about God something about the love of God, something about church, something about prayer. Let me give you a simple example, and many of you may already do this. Let's pretend we're at the restaurant. I'm sitting down. This young man that played the piano very beautifully is my server, comes up to me. Hi, good morning. Welcome to ABC Restaurant. What would you like to drink? And we order our drink. We order our food and so forth and so on. One thing you might do as he comes by and brings us our wonderful steak and our lobster, whatever we might buy on a dime, uh, and he brings it to us and begins the service, we might tell him before he walks off, as you may already do this, you might say, uh, what's your name again, sir? Kevin. Kevin, can I ask you a simple question? We're about to pray a blessing over our food. Is there something I may pray for your life? And Kevin will say, uh, what? What do you mean? Is there anything special that you need prayer for in your life? And Kevin will say, sure. I'm a student at UT right now, and uh, I, need, I just need prayer for my studies. We're coming close to our final exams. Kevin, you know what? I want to pray for you. You know, I'm a member at Park Hills Baptist Church, and I just want you to know we'll be praying for you. And then when you pray over your food, pray for Kevin. And one of the neat things that happened to my wife and I was this. When we were up north, and uh, we went to go eat at this one little restaurant by the church that I am currently a member of, and we sat there, and I told the young lady, we want to pray for you. And next thing you know, we bowed our heads to begin to pray. And when we got done praying, she was still there with us during the prayer time. I was like, okay, this is strange. We did it again. And uh, so these individuals that come to you, you may never know that that might have been the word that they needed to lift up their spirits. Over and over again, when we've done that with waiters or waitresses, servers at the restaurant, they have been shocked. Someone said, oh, I don't need anything. I say, you sure? Can I just pray for you at work? Yes, pray for me. And they will return and say, that is the best. You are the best table I've had all week long or whatever the case might be. What we've done is we've engaged in the communication with someone we have no idea who or what they're going through and invited God into the conversation so that they might find themselves being reached for Jesus Christ. It's very simple like that. Likewise, there might be people in your neighborhood or the places that you go and shop that you might find yourself uh, thinking, well, no, I don't know if I can interact with them. They may be a little bit darker skinned than you are. They maybe have longer hair, have those big old tubes in their ears, or whatever the case might be, and you might say, mm, I don't know if I can talk with them. But let me encourage you. It doesn't matter how they look, how they smell, or where they're at. Well, you and I need to understand, we need to find a simple way to engage in communication with them. Even if I go in a suit and tie, I came in this morning, I said, I'm Brother Gilbert Chavez, I'm going to be preaching today. The gentleman said, yeah, I kind of figured that you were wearing a suit. Nobody else really wears suits around here. 
You know, we, you may just look a little bit differently, but that doesn't mean that they don't need the love of God shared with them somehow, some way. And just by you speaking up and telling them that you want to pray with them, that you want to assist them, and that God bless you and may God help you, may spark in them a desire to want to seek out God a little bit more. Amen? So the far reach of the ministry of Jesus Christ, no, not only is it intentional, meaning that he found himself and must go through this forbidden city. No, dare I go over there? In fact, one of the uh, presidents of my school that when I was attending at Criswell College in Dallas, Dr. Paige Patterson, who is now the, the president of Southwestern Seminary, uh, where your pastor is finishing up, I believe, his doctorate work, doctoral work. Uh, Dr. Paige Patterson used to say when he was at New Orleans Seminary that uh, while as a student that uh, he would go and witness to people. And one of the neat places he would like to go and witness to people were in bars. Then he would go up to the bartender and say, bartender, give me a glass of milk. And the bartender would give him a glass of milk, and he would sit there and begin to have uh, engage in conversation with individuals that were at the bar. Isn't that interesting? Would you and I dare, would I go? I go to H-E-B and to the grocery store, and I dare not go the, down the aisle that sells alcohol and wine. No, no, no. A church member might see me, oh, pastor. Uh-huh. Getting a little sweet stuff there. So I avoid that when I go all the way around to the other side so that I can get what I want. So the ministry of Jesus Christ was far-reaching, and you and I likewise need to be such a ministry. But thirdly, we also see in verse 34, look there in your Bible. Jesus said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? For I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages, and even now the harvest Harvest the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. For I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you, are, you will reap the benefits of their labor. And what you and I need to understand is this, that the ministry that you and I have as a church body, as an individual child of God, needs to be intentional. Secondly, it needs to be engaging. But thirdly, it needs to be obedient needs to be obedient. The fact that Jesus Christ must go through Samaria was an act of obedience. The fact that he comes and he tells those individuals that were there, my food is to do the will of the Father. You see, what Jesus Christ wants us to do is this. He wants us to understand that as we go through life and as we find ourselves being obedient to the will of the Father, that we must go through life with eyes that are wide open. Amen? Eyes that are wide open. Do you have someone who takes care of your lawn? Do they know Jesus Christ? Do you look at them, oh, no, they're just of darker skin, or no, they're just a poor person, or no, they really are in need, I'm, I'm doing a good thing for them? Or do we see them with the eyes of God? And when we look at them, do we look at them with compassion? Do they know Jesus? Are they on a path to eternity with the Father in glory one day? Or are they just stuck in this life of sin headed towards hell? When you and I look at people, may we find them and see them through the eyes of Christ. Jesus didn't look at this Samaritan woman and say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you're, psh, nobody likes you in your place. <laughs> you know, you know, why don't you scoot over a little bit? My disciples will be coming back and, 
I cannot be seen with you. What are you doing coming out in the middle of the day? Don't you have friends? But Jesus Christ didn't do that. He said, draw me some water. He began to communicate with her and spend time with her because he saw her not as an outcast in her community, but he saw her as a lost person in needing to be rescued and reached. And when you and I go through life, we need to be very careful to be obedient to the will of the Father so that we might be able to see people with the eyes of his and not just with our colored eyes. I think we all know what that means, that we have colored eyes. But likewise, he also tells us, look, we have a job to do, a duty to do, and that is to go reap that which has already been done. Isn't it neat to know that there have been other people that have already prepared the work? Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. That's too hard for me. No, no, somebody's already done the work for you. You just need to be faithful and repeat what they said and let God bring about the harvest. Amen? Isn't that neat? Isn't it neat to know that you're just plowing land that's already been plowed and it's easier? And though something may not happen when you do it, but it may come about with the next person right behind you. Isn't that neat? What Jesus Christ shows us is this, is that our ministries in Park Hills Baptist Church's ministries and the ministry of uh, the people of God around this world need to be a ministry that is intentional. We need to seek God out in prayer. We need to ask him to help us and to direct us to individuals that do not know him, need to know him, and need to grow in him. Amen? We don't need to go around looking for other Christians unless to exhort them and encourage them, but we need to look for people who do not know Jesus Christ. We need to be willing to be engaging in community with them. You know a lot of people. Well, I don't know Spanish. Well, either do I. But that doesn't mean that you can't speak to them, right? <clears throat> Your pastor is from Romania. When he speaks his home language, does anybody here know what he's saying? In general, maybe not. But what we do have is this. In fact, our convention has created a new app where you can witness to somebody of a different language in three minutes, it shares with them the gospel message in whatever language that it's, it, it's in, they're in. And then you just ask them, did you just pray this prayer? And then they say yes, and you just get them hooked up into a church. You know, it's called the One Cross, the number one cross app. And it gives you whatever languages you can think of an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. But we need to be willing to engage them, no matter if they, got, they look different. Be willing to speak with them. I one time was at Walmart. I don't remember if I was waiting for my wife or what I was doing, but I sat down at the bench at, at Walmart uh, here in Austin off of I-35. I think it was that one. Um, I went and sat down, and there was this young lady sitting there, and I just sat down, and <laughs> I was waiting. And I said, oh, how are you doing there? And I just began to enter a conversation with her, just simple stuff. Are you from Austin? Oh, yeah. Do you go to school anywhere? Oh, really? Where did you graduate from? And during our two-minute conversation time, she says, are you a minister? Now, I didn't ask her any religious stuff. You know, you married? You know, where do you go to school? Do you work? Just general stuff you would ask anybody that maybe you would meet for the first time. Hey, how are you doing there? And so forth. Are you a minister? And I said, yes, I am a minister. And then I, I went into... Say, hey, do you, where do you go to church at regularly? That conversation. Then I forget what, what, but I just sat down and did that. I get that from my dad. 
My dad can meet anybody and befriend him at any time. doesn't matter who they are, young or old, male or female. doesn't matter what color they are. He'll sit down and he'll make friends with them. That's what we need to do. We need not to be afraid to engage in communication with those that may be different than us and just love on them with the love of Christ. Amen? Open up your mouth. What joys can come out of that? Likewise, we need to find ourselves to be obedient. Ta ethne, the people groups in Matthew 28, tells us it's all people groups. And praise the Lord that Jesus Christ was willing to go to the lost sheep of Israel, but likewise extend his ministry to those that were outside of that. Amen? And he was willing to extend the gospel ministry to all Gentiles, which is all of us in this room, unless we are Jews. And praise the Lord that he was being obedient to the Father. Now you might ask yourself, Pastor, why do I need to do this? Why does Park Hills Baptist Church need to be like this? Look at verse 15. Open, keep your Bibles open. Look at verse 15. Look what the Bible says. The woman said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water so I will, be, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all this way here to draw. In this one sentence, this woman reveals to all of us humanity's need of being rescued with Jesus Christ. Amen? It re reminds us and reveals to us the fact that all of humanity is in thirst and is lost and is dead without Jesus Christ. It reveals to us that your life and my life, before we came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, was dry and parched. No matter how many hours we worked, no matter how much money we, we, uh, we made, no matter how many friends we thought we had, nothing satisfied our soul like Jesus Christ satisfied our soul. Amen? And what people in the world need to know and what you and I need to understand is this, that it doesn't matter how much they acquire, none of that will be satisfactory to them in the long run because they cannot take it with them. Only Jesus Christ will satisfy their soul and he will keep them through all, all of eternity. Amen? It reveals to us the need for humanity to be rescued, this thought of giving me some water. I am thirsty. I don't want to have to come back all the way over here again. How many of us in this room don't raise your hand, are just filthy rich, and we don't have to work another day in our lives, don't have to do anything? We can stay home in our pajamas eating popcorn and, and, and chocolate all day long and just sit there and be happy and merry. Don't worry about nothing because we have all the money we want reality is this, that many of us, if not all of us in this room, have to go to work tomorrow, right? All of us in this room have to go, and how many of us really enjoy it? Oh, I want to go out there. How many of us would love to not have to? And what this woman says is that there's people without Jesus Christ find themselves is always in search of something to satisfy them. Another man, another woman, another job, another car. How many of you got the new iPhone 6, iPhone 6 Plus, when you just bought the iPhone 5 last year? This, oh, I got to have it. My dad's flip phone works. He answers it sometimes when I call him, and we talk over the line. Oh, no, 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 but I need the new one. Always in search of something else to satisfy us. Folks, it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. 
See, this woman's response to Jesus in verse number 15 reveals to us something very important. That your life and my life as people of God need to be uh, individuals that extend our ministry outside of our comfort zone because there are those individuals that were just like us that were in need. I remember when I was 18 years of age, shortly after I graduated from high school, went on a youth choir trip. <clears throat> went on the trip that first Monday morning as, uh, as we went about doing different things and uh, singing in different places and doors just opening up. I remember for, I was not a religious person. I, was, uh, I claimed to be a Christian. Grew up in a Christian home. My dad's a deacon, leader in the church. My mom, et cetera, et cetera. Active in many uh, very strong evangelical work. My brother-in-law was a youth minister of a mega church in Louisiana. And I now find myself going to their youth uh, mission trip, uh, youth choir trip. And that Monday night, I was in one of the hotel rooms, our, my hotel room with Gary Griffith. We were both sharing the, the room. It was, it was midnight by the time we got back, and I looked at to Gary, and I said, Gary, I don't know if I'm a Christian. He says, well, what do you mean? He goes, you know, I said, you know what, Gary? I noticed something different about my life and my older sister Rose that I went to live with. I said, she has a love in her life that I don't have. She loves people differently than I love people. We grew up in the same house. We were both young when my parents were Christian. We were active in church every we were. We went to an independent Baptist church. We did everything all the time at church all week long. And I said, there's something different about how she loves people than I, how I love people. And that night, Gary said this. Well, do you want to make that for sure today? So I got on my knees and prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because I noticed there was a difference in my sister's life than in my life. And I, need, I wanted to love people like she loved her, but I was selfish. I was always a good guy, but I just recognized there was something different and it wasn't satisfied. And it didn't get satisfied until I met Jesus. And you might be here today. You've been coming and worshiping here in this place, and maybe you found yourself enjoying the music, the beautiful voices and beautiful talent that's on the instruments. Maybe you come and you've enjoyed pastors' uh, messages on a regular basis in the fellowship. But maybe you're not really a child of God. You know that for some reason you have not yet surrendered to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I just want to encourage you and share with you today that until you give your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there will never be that satisfaction in your life. That's the truth. He's come to place within you that uh, spring of living water that will satisfy you forever, and it's his love and forgiveness and his spirit to live within you. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Has there been a time in your life when you said yes? Come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I surrender it all to you. If you haven't done that, let me encourage you to do that today. And just a little bit, but when we close, you're going to be given an opportunity to go to one of the church leaders or to one of the deacons or to me or my wife and just say, I, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Secondly, you might be here as a child of God. And man, you've been on the bench. You've been on the bench. Man, you enjoy the comfortable seats, the air conditioning. You enjoy this beautiful sanctuary, but you have not yet dipped your toe 
in the water, to get out and to be there where the lost is. You know, Zirkel Pool, I think it's called. No, no, I will not get in that water. I remember moving here. My kids got in it when they were little. My middle child got in it, and her lips turned purple. She was freezing up before me. I said, dog, I am not getting in that water, I said. Well, you know what? That's how it is many times with people of God. No, no, no. I cannot dare tell someone else or just inquire from them spiritually where they're at. No, no. Yes, you can. Your lips may turn purple, but they will be warmed with the love of God and they'll get back to normal. You can do that. You can get back into speaking with individuals about Jesus Christ. Your neighbor, trust me, your neighbors don't know Jesus. And you may have fun and do the night's light out, et cetera, et cetera, and barbecue from time to time, and your kids play with their kids and soccer and so forth, but they're lost and they need Jesus. And living through their kids' sports is not going to satisfy them, only Jesus. Because very simply, folks, we need to find ourselves to be obedient to the Father. God calls us to himself, and then he calls us out to the lost. What will you do? Where will you go? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time and for this opportunity that you've given to us to re be reminded of your great love and your grace that you've provided for us. Dear Father, we just want to say thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. And dear Lord, we want to say thank you for living a life that we could not live, to die on a cross that we could not bear, and rise again, which we could not do, in order that we might be forgiven and be placed back into the family of God. This morning, in the message, did you see and read and did you hear how much God loves you? That he was willing to send his son Jesus and even to stop in a place where no one else wanted to be in order that he might reach that one and many more back to himself. That's how God sees you. He is willing to go wherever he needs to in order to win you back. And he's done it through his son, Jesus. So right there where you're at, if you've never surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, become a Christian, a Christ follower, would you just simply confess Jesus as Lord right now of your life? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins. And by faith and through faith, would you live for him as your Lord and Savior? Lift that up right now before the Father. This morning, if you are a child of God and a member of Park Hills Baptist Church, would you allow yourself to grow in the Lord not just by coming to Sunday service once, one hour out of the week, but by involving yourself in the Bible studies, in the growth groups, and in outreach. 
Would you show up on Saturday for pastor, for the Lord and for pastors and just say, Pastor, I'm walking alongside you in obedience to reach people for Jesus. I don't know what to say or what to do, but I'm going to be obedient. It's the start of God using me. I know that if you needed to be baptized by immersion, if you haven't been baptized yet, your pastor would welcome a discussion with him about that. Or if you need to join this church, I know that they would love for you to do that. At the end of the service, speak with me, my wife, or speak with one of these church leaders, one of the deacons, and they'll be glad to speak with you. Father, thank you for loving us and for this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for bringing God's word for us this morning. As we continue to reflect on God's goodness to us and on the work that he has called us to do in, in spreading his message of the gospel in this city, I invite you to please stand.